0: To Poldark Podcast, a fan cast about the hit TV show. But before we begin this week's episode, let's introduce ourselves.
1: My name's Michelle. I live in the States. I Tumblr at Poldark Muses and tweet
0: at Musings. I am Dolanda. I live in France. You can find me on Tumblr at British Liseau
2: and I tweet at Dolanda Dia. And my name is Rita. I live in England. I Tumblr at Princess of Poldark and I tweet at Rita Bite.
1: Now, don't forget, we're about to delve into episode 7, so if you haven't seen it, now would be a good time to put down the headphones and walk away until you've had a chance to do so. With that, let's recap, shall we?
2: Recap, yes. This week's episode began with the Melsa feeding Ross strawberries with her mouth in what was supposedly sexy, but just reminded me of a mother bird regurgitating its food for its young. <laughs>
1: don't nugget till you've tried it, yo.
2: Anyway, they're having a rollicking good time in London, going on boat rides, visiting Vauxhall Gardens, and generally having sex on every counter of Ross's apartment. Sigh. (laughs) Can't it always be like this?
0: Seriously, we'll pay you good money.
1: (laughs) Elsewhere, George and Elizabeth have arrived in London with Valentine in tow. George shows Liz around their gigantic new home and tells her that anything she wants, she will get for she is now, like, 20 months pregnant. Hashtag Poldark time. They're clearly playing at Happy Families because he even buys Valentine a new rocking horse. And how do you cap off such happiness? By holding a masked ball, of course. And not just any masked ball, it's for charity. Who is this and what has he done with George? He even invites Ross and Demelza. This is surely a sign of the apocalypse.
0: Also in London are Dwight and Caroline. Yay! The squad is reunited. Yes! Caroline's deeply concerned about how people are dressed. (laughs) She gets Dwight a new tailor and Demelza a new dress for the bull. She's like a fashion fairy godmother or one of the queer eyes. That's a very pretty petticoat. Shall I wear my nightshirt to keep you company? Oh,
3: Ross, don't tease me. Caroline had it altered for me. Do you really hate it? Shall I wear my old gown instead?
4: And be miserable all night?
3: Could never be miserable. You know how happy I am. Why is that? Mm, Because of you. Because of us. And how it's been since we came to London.
4: Perhaps you'd consider a longer stay. We could send for the children, find more spacious lodgings.
3: Ross, do you really mean it? Yes. I like it beyond anything.
0: Yay, they're happy and singing for the kids. Everyone's great. Cue disaster. Cue
2: the ball. Cue Moncadilly.
4: Who's that with Baldock? His kitchen maid. Now his wife. (laughs) The hair's a touch provincial, but the rest is good. I doubt that she's been dressed in London. and she must be undressed in London.
2: George looks horrified at the thought of anyone finding the scullery maid attractive, but that doesn't stop Monk from approaching Ross and Demelza. He pawns off his ward slash date Andromena, weird, on Ross, and when alone with Demelza, immediately presses on her weak spot.
4: Oh, my dear, let me advise you: it is simply not the thing in London for married couples to eat together.
2: Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. Poor Demelza is forced to go into dinner with him and watch as he licks his fingers. Ugh. She notices two buttons he has on his coat, each with a lock of hair from a man he shot in a jaw. Super creepy, dude.
1: <laughs> Monk asks Demelza when they can be alone. Demelza is like, never, dude, but is forced to arrange what the kids call a group hang with him, Caroline, Dwight, and Ross to avoid a blow-up between Ross and Monk who have started glowering at each other like two pit bulls over a steak? How could this situation get any worse? Introducing George into the equation, he and Monk set up a wager. George doesn't think Demelza will sleep with him, but Monk is certain that he can make it happen. This is kind of like a gross she's-all-that moment.
0: My bet? Am I a bet? Am I a fucking bet?
1: We do not approve.
0: Back in Cornwall, Sam has thrown together a shed for Drake to do some blacksmithing in because lord knows he has no agency of his own. And Marowana, now heavily pregnant, sits morosely as her mother-in-law talks about sending her to an asylum as soon as the baby is born. We then see her waking up one morning and finding blood, appearing to miscarry the
2: baby. Back in London, it's the night of the group hang and Demelza looks uncomfortable as Monk pours all over her touching her intimately while she tries to play roulette. Back in their apartment, Ross is fuming. As
3: if I would even look twice at such a man as Adderley. Then make
5: it clear that you would not. How? By not allowing him to pour every bone in your arm from wrist to shoulder.
3: Ross, what am I to do? I'm in London for the first time, unacquainted with its ways. A man pays me compliments, an educated, well-bred Member of Parliament. Do I... Turn my back and refuse to answer, or do I slap his face and, and spit on his shoe?
5: Forgive me. That was unfair of me.
2: Yes, it was. Demelza weeps into her pillow. There goes the Romelza happiness. The next morning, Demelza wakes up to a bouquet of flowers and thinks they're from Ross. But sadly for everyone, they're from Captain Adderley. Ross wants to throw them away, but Demelza, plant lover that she is, can't bear to and ends up upsetting Ross.
1: While Ross is at a late night vote in Parliament, Monk Adderley sneaks into their apartment and waits for Demelza. When she arrives, she is shocked and a little frightened to find him sitting there waiting for her. What follows is a very tense scene with Demelza edging around the room trying to escape.
4: Shall we come to the matter? Or would you prefer to converse a while? Shall we talk of... the men I've killed? Or the women I've loved?
3: As we speak of love at all?
4: I think so. For I intend to instruct you most delicately in it. You see? How swiftly I arouse you.
3: You flatter yourself.
4: Do I? Let me assure you, this is no trivial fancy. I find you utterly bewitching. Tell me. You cry out when a man takes you.
3: I must ask you to leave.
4: Have you ever had another man besides your husband?
3: Sir, are you a gentleman? I hope so. Forgive me, I am unsure of London manners, but is it not a gentleman's duty to withdraw when a lady asks him?
4: Only when the gentleman has already been in.
3: Mrs. Parkins will show you out.
4: May I wait on you some other time? I think not. <laughs> I see. It's not me you're afraid of, but your husband.
3: Does he beat to you? Frequently.
4: When his arm gets tired, tell him to send for me. Good night,
1: ma'am. That night, Demelza tells Ross about the encounter and he asks if she encouraged him.
2: They didn't need any encouragement. Mm-mm. And
1: Demelza is confused, questioning her own actions and not knowing how to behave anymore.
0: In Parliament, the next morning, Ross is guarding a seat for someone when monk Adelie strolls in and sits down on the gloves Ross was using to deter people from sitting down. They naturally handle the situation like gentlemen.
4: Is that? There- such a thing as my gloves because you appear to be sitting on them my dear you're mistook why would i wish to touch any of your worn possessions
5: i do beg your pardon my gloves were indeed beneath you or was it the other way around
0: Ross essentially grabbed him by the scruff and publicly humiliated him in front of his peers, so Monk challenges him to a duel over some globes. Ross accepts.
2: Testosterone here is too much. Dwight thinks the whole thing is absurd and asks if Ross is mad. I'd say there are a few screw loose to be sure. <laughs> he tries to get Ross to back down, pointing out that he could A, die, or B, be hanged for killing Monk, leaving his family completely destitute. But Ross won't back down. Instead, he makes Dwight his second and makes him promise not to tell either Caroline or Demelza about it. While Ross practices his shots, and he's not even that good, Dwight takes the ladies on a day out in the park and to the theatre, leading Demelza to be so exhausted she sleeps in the next morning.
1: Uh, Ross wakes early and makes his way to the Serpentine Riverbank, where he meets up with Monk for the duel. Dwight makes one last attempt at getting them to end their quarrel. Monk concedes that if Ross were to make a lengthy apology, he would consider it. But Ross being Ross, he won't. Apologize, and the duel is on. They grab their pistols and walk 14 paces. Fire! They both miss, but Monk goes in for a second shot and hits Ross in the arm. Ross fires back and hits him in the groin. Instead of fleeing the scene as planned, Ross decides to wait until he sees Monk pass out and placed into a carriage.
0: He returns home covered in blood and frightening Demarza, who does her best to look after him until Dwight arrives back from Monk's place. Dwight performs surgery on Ross, removing a piece of splintered bone Engrossing grossing everyone out. While Ross rests, Caroline arrives and talks to Demelza. Demelza says she doesn't understand Ross's actions or how he could risk his family's career and his life like this. Upset, she starts to blame herself. There's a knock on the door. Her letter has arrived with news of Adelie's death. Before he died, however, he managed to, quote, put it about that he shot himself and he paid off a witness that saw Ross for 10 guineas. He asks Ross to pay him back by paying 10 guineas to George, who he lost a bet to.
2: Speak of the devil, George arrives at Parliament the next morning and learns of his friend's death. He's naturally incredibly suspicious of the narrative that the wound was self-inflicted. The fact that Ross is also shot and recovering at home makes it pretty obvious what happened. So he decides to have the death by misadventure verdict overturned, By trying to get the Attorney General to do his damn job. And actually find evidence. And witnesses. But the Attorney General just shrugs it off. I mean, God George, what do you expect? Like, justice or something?
1: (laughs) Following her miscarriage, Morwenna leaves the vicarage and goes down to see Drake at his new smithy. She explains that the reason she rejected him a few episodes ago was because of her pregnancy. Carrying the child of a man that raped her, she tells him that men and just the sensation of flesh against her own disgusts her. Drake stares blankly at her until she runs off crying. Ha <laughs> Romance.
0: Back in London, George can't find the witnesses to the obvious murder. Who knew a ten guinea bride was so binding and so gives up, instead choosing to focus on another scheme, offering his borough in support of the Prime Minister in exchange for a night. That's Lord Will to you! George and Elizabeth are ecstatic, so naturally Geoffrey Charles shows up and blows that up in their face with just one sentence!
3: Why have I never noticed this before? What? Is he not the very spitting image of Uncle Ross? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Foster. Valentine!
0: Foster. And we're back
2: to this again. <laughs> Ross and Demelza make a public appearance in Vauxhall Gardens to demonstrate just how unguilty he is. While there, they bump into a very frosty George and Elizabeth. Ross goes to pay George's money, but George, now pretty sure Ross cockolded him and that Ross legit just got away with murder, acts like a child and throws the money at his face. No, no not, not the face! face! Not the face! He then storms off like a stroppy teenager. <laughs> That evening, Demelza asks
1: if Ross's arm is improved and if he thinks he is truly safe from the law. Ross reassures her that all will be fine. When Ross awakes the next morning, however, Demelza is gone.
3: My dearest Ross, by the time you read this, I will be gone. Dwight is returning to Cornwall and I'm going with him. I'm out of my depth in London society. My wish to be friendly and polite was taken by some to mean something more. It was even taken by you to mean something more. I'm going home to your house and your farm and your mine and your children. And when you return, we'll see if there's anything to be done.
1: The End.
0: <sighs>
1: oh.
3: La la. Did you enjoy
1: the episode? Oh. And I think my god! It was absolutely my most favorite episode.
0: This thing
2: I mine too! See Oh my god, you thought it didn't couldn't happen, but we actually agreed. I know!
0: Number one, number one, absolutely loved
1: it. Oh my goodness. This is a sign of the apocalypse that all three of us
2: <laughs> 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 Stop praying, y'all. It's the end of the oh, world. Oh, let's see. Well, the
1: episode was almost entirely set in London. Uh, did you think they did a good job of
2: capturing the setting? Well, I really loved the decadence and the completely lavish stylings of George's London home and their basketball. ball. Like, everyone looked amazing. But I do think that the London scenes were done a bit on the cheap. Everything I've read about the 19th century, and London in particular, paints a picture of it being... A very loud, crowded place that had great wealth mixing with great poverty. Now, the book goes into great detail about this and mentions the plight of the people living on the outskirts of the city. Because they were basically living in gigantic slums and the conditions were horrible. And by contrast, the show's version of London is just completely spotless there's about a dozen people that you see living there and you see them over and over again and the streets are always clean and nearly deserted (laughs) it was a missed opportunity if you ask me
0: yeah first I want to give props to the show's food stylists costumes set designers bravo Uh, I really wanted to jump into all that food (laughs) whilst wearing (laughs) Demelza's dress (laughs) Go figure. But uh, I also agree with you, Rita. Uh, it would have been much more interesting to see the contrast with the poor living in London because uh, Ross keeps talking about them. We, we maybe had one episode where I think it was the famine. But other than that, we didn't actually uh, so it. Uh, we didn't have concrete, concrete images of that. So that would have been interesting. Uh, but I still very much enjoyed the exaggeration of wealth that she would see in pretty much any big city in the world. And uh, who knows how rich George is? So this was probably a small expense. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I seem to remember that George had well over half a million
1: pounds before he went on his spending spree for the borough. Um, And so I, of course, went uh, trundling along onto the interwebs to find out how much that would be in today's money. And it would be well over... 50 million pounds
2: damn uh, oh yeah uh
1: so dude could definitely afford some frou-frou food uh at that party holy
0: yeah
1: i know right um uh but you know i think if i remember correctly hashtag in the books uh the way that uh winston graham describes the um dichotomy between the the wealthy parts of London and the squalor um, of London, the smell, uh, the smoke—it uh, it was really um, almost—it uh, was almost tactile um, how the description really brought London of the late. 18th century to life and uh, I think that would have been interesting to see uh, DeMels' reaction to that um, you know um, particular. You know, I loved seeing just how dazzled she was by the whole experience but I think it would have been very interesting to see a couple scenes where that dichotomy was realized and and we could see it uh, through her eyes I think that that would have been neat to see
0: well, um, speaking of Demelza, uh, let's talk about her sexual harassment. Uh, how do you think the show handled the storyline in this uh, hashtag MeToo era? Uh, you know, I thought it was handled
1: brilliantly. Uh, the, the fear and frustration Demelza must have felt not knowing how to handle the situation in the big city. Uh, you know, she can manage it with old man Bedruggan, but somebody like Monk Adderley was absolutely beyond her ken. And, you know, in situations, you know, in modern day situations of sexual harassment, um, individuals have that same feeling of, uh, you know, fear, frustration, uh, blaming themselves, uh, the the whole nine yards that was portrayed on the show. Uh, It was very real and, you know, as I said, still unfortunately uh, relevant in today's world.
2: Oh my God, yes, it's just so unfortunate that women are constantly put in these positions of trying to reject men's unwanted advances but without being you know rude because we fear how they will react it was happening in 1799 and sadly it's still happening today sigh i think eleanor did just such an amazing job of showing us just how awkward and powerless she felt that frigid little smile she had in interactions with monk when she was in public just oh it just made me hurt for her the and the scene where he was like pouring at her and she felt trapped like was really stomach churning to watch. I just felt so bad for her all episode.
0: It was so frightening. Uh, I felt so many emotions. I didn't think I could be angry, scared and disgusted all through at the same time. And uh, I agree with you, Michelle, when you say that Demelza could handle uh, um, Bodragon and she could also handle Captain McNeil in a way. But she was completely bewildered uh, with Adderley. Uh, I think it was a clever way to show the difference between countrymen who still are more or less well mannered versus city guys who are just basically more aggressive. I think, and uh, the climax—the climax of fear was reached when uh, reached when he was in her room because I really thought he was going to do something to her and that he was going going to rape her and. Uh, uh, Caroline had advised her when she arrived, when she said that he was, a, I think he was a, just a funny creature, she sh- should not take him seriously. Uh, I don't think that uh, Adelie uh, attempted something that intense with Caroline, maybe because she's more uh, assertive and she has uh, maybe a more um, a bigger temperament, I don't know. But, uh...
2: Yeah, we talked about this particular subject in one of our book club episodes, and I think... One of the reasons that Caroline didn't take Monk so seriously is because Demelza and her are of different classes. Demelza, as a working-class miner's daughter, has the societal expectation of just being more loose than someone like Caroline, who's an heiress. Throughout the show, we've seen men make this assumption and try it on with her constantly. Caroline, by contrast, has a lot more position and power, and the expectation is that she is to be respected. And honestly, I think Monk saw Demelza as a lot more vulnerable to this kind of, to his kind of predatory behavior and just took advantage.
1: Exactly. Um, you know, Caroline and, you know, Caroline just based on her experience as well. You know, Caroline was raised, uh, you know, in the lap of luxury and has been used to the kind of, flirtatious sparring that oftentimes happened, um, you know, amidst the ton. And so, you know, that was something that she was familiar with and, you know, was able to kind of knock down without any problem. But, you know, it was clear, just like you said, Rita, that, um, you know, George's disdain for her and, you know, identifying her as um, Ross's scullery maid, um, you know, immediately Uh, put Demelza in a different category than um, some of the other women in uh, society at that time. Um, And the fact that Demelza still sees herself as this miner's daughter that was brought up from um, her circumstances by Ross's um, rescue uh, at the, the fair all those years ago you know she still continues to think of herself as a miner's daughter um and that just reinforces all of the 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 weird dynamic that was happening uh in that situation i mean it was it was absolutely brilliantly handled um and i thought that it was probably one of the most unnerving portions of the entire series you know going all the way back to series 1 through 4
0: I think it's great that Ross said that he was proud of yes. the upbringing yes. but he could not understand the fact because of that upbringing that's what made her much more reachable in the eyes of a guy like uh, Adderley well guess what we
1: had a brief return of Ross the Idiot trademark Uh, And hopefully, this is that individual's curtain call. Um, But uh, what did you guys think of the kind of cray that that winds up happening?
2: Sigh, yeah. I mean, Russ needs to learn to listen to Dwight. Dwight is never wrong. Anyway, in the Book Club podcast, we discussed how much Winston Graham was echoing previous storylines throughout the novel. But nowhere was it more obvious for me than in The Jewel. Because remember the last time we had a duel? It was in season one. Francis was the hot-headed, confused man driven to impulsive and dangerous behaviour in response to overwhelming jealousy over his wife's past lover. Sound familiar? This time, that's Ross. He's basically become Francis. Talk about full circle. Hopefully, unlike Francis, Ross can let go of his anger before any irreparable damages onto his marriage. Uh, sadly,
1: writer and philosopher George Santayana wasn't alive back when this was supposed to have happened. Who is he? He was the dude that first said, Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. A.K.A. those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it. Seriously, Ross, this is not rocket science. Dueling is hazardous to your health. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, some things never change. I'm not going to blame Ross for killing uh, a villain, because God knows that dude was a creep, but to get angry over a globe, I mean, and to drag Dwight into that mess who did not ask for anything, I mean, men and your pride, you guys, that will be your downfall. <laughs>
1: Oh man, but the, the line that was delivered, you know, why would I wish to touch any of your worn possessions? I mean, I mean, oh my God, you know, that is, that is what made Ross snap. I mean, you know, the, the, the gloves, F the bloody gloves, that sneering insult made, uh, against Demelza, um, was just reprehensible. Uh, and, uh, not excusing Ross and his, ridiculous behavior but dude had simply had enough
2: yeah but ross needs to learn how to take an insult like a big boy and not resort to violence because he's nearly 40 like grow up a bit
1: i honestly think that if it was an insult against him it wouldn't have bothered him but against demelza that's another story but there's also other reasons why all of this shit happened you know and and it. Really, you know, Adderley was really just a um uh a stand in for, you know, you know who, but we'll talk more about that later.
2: He was shooting at ghosts.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, how about the storylines this week? Uh Ross and Demelza.
2: You know, as perverse as it is to say this, I think this week was probably the best Romelza storyline of the season because we got these amazing emotional scenes based on genuine conflict and it's been built up from an immense history between these two characters you know this is the kind of thing that makes this show great ridiculous drama aside i mean a jewel ross really it was fueled by complex emotional entanglements we got a chance to see the psychology of why demelza and ross both responded to monk as they did and both sides of this conflict felt warranted. You know, in the past the show has made either Ross or Demelza, the quote unquote bad guy, to facilitate conflict and drama. But this time you really understood both of their perspectives and it improved that storyline a thousandfold for me. Now having said that, Ross was a complete idiot for agreeing to the duel and should have listened to Dwight. Ross, <laughs> can you just think of your damn kids for once? um <laughs> uh,
1: very true very true and i think you know it's one of the reasons why this was such a uh a favorite of the the series so far uh because uh the drama that wound up happening was multi-layered it was not you know i've used the um the oh for god's sake it's too early for me to remember what my words are um uh but to use the the euphemism um pastel you know painting a pastel watercolor versus you know the broad brush strokes i've I've said that i don't know how many different times
2: yeah, we need to get that on a t shirt for you
1: uh-huh. <laughs> um but this the way that they had built the the background for the storyline this week was that pastel watercolor um you know the the all of the subtleties all of the backstory everything made for building this intensity that didn't rely on you know crazy ridiculous plot points to bring the drama um but, uh, you know, as far as the, the duel, and, you know, we started talking about it a few minutes ago, but, you know, we know why this happened. Uh, Ross never had the opportunity to call out the real blackguard of the story. Uh, Hugh had grown fatally ill and died before Ross could accuse him of cuckolding, uh, cuckolding him. Uh, so, you know, what was he going to do? Haul <laughs> the jackass out of his deathbed, prop him up against the fence, and blow him to kingdom come? <laughs> um, you know, that 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 uh, would not have gone well. Um, uh, although, you know, having Ross bring the end to the jackass would have worked swimmingly for me because, you know, y'all know how I feel about that dude.
0: Yeah, I was a little confused uh, when they did the recap uh, at the beginning of the episode, uh, recapping previous ones, uh, and uh, they uh, showed us Ross saying, uh, is it true that swans made for life? Uh, referring to um, Hugh and Demelza. And so I thought, okay, I see where they're going now. We're going to get some London bliss, and then they're going to resolve all of their very issues, but uh, I thought it was... a. Uh, a positive outcome even though Melza went back to Cornwall at the end because they really got to um, to bring all of their uh, issues full circle and uh, hopefully they're able to move on. I'm not sure if Ross is going to go back to Cornwall in the season's finale, but I assume he will. Uh, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> but moving on, uh, Monk Adelie, our villain and uh, the jewel with our idiot. Uh, I
1: think we should throw um, awards at Max Bennett (laughs) for for his portrayal of Monk Adderley. I mean, he was absolute perfection uh, in this role. He consistently brought the reprehensible to his performance every week. Uh, Gosh, we have been blessed to have such fantastic character actors join this cast. Uh, over the course of the last two series, uh, you know, Christian Brassington, of course, we've we've lavished accolades on here before. Uh, the actress that plays his mother is absolutely petrifying. Uh, and uh, I thought that that she
2: was. Oh, yes, Rebecca Front. She is this really amazing comedic actress. It's really bizarre watching her be mean. I'm like, no. <laughs>
1: Really? Oh, oh my goodness. Oh God. Well, she has definitely brought the drama and kind of horror at the same time. Um, so yeah, we've had such great character actors. Um, and I think that's one of the wonderful things about, um, period drama, uh, and especially that, uh, coming out of, uh, the UK is there are so many wonderful actors and actresses uh, in the the UK, uh, we have the opportunity to, to see some really fantastic performances.
2: Yeah, I mean, shout out to Max Bennett. The way he was leering at Demelzer and like, casually sucking on yeah. his fingers in scenes was enough oh. to make your skin crawl. <laughs> oh so my disgusting. god. And you know, a part of me is hugely sad that we're losing all these fantastic actors because the villains need to be killed off. Yes! Ozzy and Monk were really just god-awful sexual predators but these actors really kicked ass and had me so frightened and so disgusted in their scenes so you know hats off to max and christian
1: <laughs> i loved uh one of your live tweets rita you know with regards to the duel you know ross have you not seen hamilton this doesn't end well
2: <laughs> i'm not throwing away my shot
1: oh my god that was perfect um so with regards to The Duel, um, it was historically quite accurate, uh, as idiotic as it might have been. Uh, a good pal and fellow Poldark fan, Bonnie Weiss, uh, she's a admin for a couple of Facebook groups, and she's also led tours of uh, Poldark film locations, uh, has this really fantastic blog called Inspired by Poldark. And she's got a great post about dueling, which, uh, even included a rare example of women dueling, if you can believe what? that. Yeah, I know. There's a, uh, uh, illustration of, uh, the incident that took place and, uh, the, the story that goes along with it is, is kind of hilarious. I think one of them shoots the other one's hat off or something like that. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very, very funny. So, uh, I tweeted the link to the, um, the blog post on uh, the podcast account last night. So uh, if you're interested in learning more about the custom, I would strongly recommend you check it out. And uh, also look at some of the other posts that Bonnie has uh, shared there. She's she's really got uh, a deep love and affection for the material and uh, has uh, brought up a number of really interesting topics to learn from uh, based on the the series.
2: Okay, moving on. We were so close to a happy and contented George and Elizabeth. I mean, George was helping orphans, rehousing tenants, and generally doing the right thing most of the time. And then, boom, Geoffrey Charles started another clusterfuck. I'm sorry, but this kid is a damn dumbass. You're old enough to drink and hook up with escorts, And you should know how to keep your mouth shut around George. (laughs) Now, I swear that kid only appears
0: to bring trouble. I swear. I mean, George is literally transformed. I'm not, I don't know if this is the Elizabeth effect, but he literally gave his all to her. And that huge lie, that was the final straw. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: You know, it was mentioned in the recap um, that George was certain Ross had cuckolded him. Would that have been the case with the situation uh, taking place before the wedding?
2: Well, you know, it's hard to say, but we do know that engagements were taken a lot more seriously in the 18th century than they are today. I mean, broken engagements would ruin a person. They were as good as married in the eyes of the law at the time. So he was going to think of it that way, irrespective of the actual semantics of the case.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Morwenna and Drake. do we have to? Ah! We have to! We have to.
2: You know, I think we were supposed to be really happy that they were together again, but I think just so much terrible shit has happened to these two that it's actually impossible to care at this point. This is beyond a joke. Don't even get me started on the previews for next week's episode. (laughs) Yep,
1: I'm ready to move on. Ready to move on. But again, another great um, example of fantastic acting chops. Um, You know, I've got to give Elise Chappell uh, so many props for her performance. She has really done a fantastic job with every episode.
0: I think their scenes felt out of place in this episode because uh, I think they should have stick. They should have uh, made it just a 100% London episode because the Cornwall scenes, they killed the vibe, in my opinion. Mm, Yeah. Uh, You know,
1: the the meetup that happened at Drake's place um, actually takes place after Demelza returned home from London, if I remember correctly.
2: Uh, So, honestly, it could have waited. Well, I think they chose to jam it into this week's episode because... You know, next week's the final, and there is so much drama still to come. Yes, so much drama. There is
1: so much coming. Ooh, so much okay. coming. Yeah, so much that I don't know how in the hell they're going to make it all fit in an hour.
0: Okay, so what are your favorite sin, or what is your favorite sin? Oh God, um, I had so many
1: with this episode. It was kind of hard
0: to pick one, although.
1: Uh, there were two that that uh, I think stand out. Uh, I loved, loved Dwight and Caroline's conversation through Horace. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that was so cute. And they're both just kind of petting and toying with little Horace's ears and his neck. And Horace is just kind of sitting there like, what the hell is going on? So I loved that. uh um, and I also thought the pretty petticoat scene was uh, fantastic. They did a great job with that, with Ross's playfulness and, and Demelza like, oh, God, well, you know, what should I do? And it was like, and have you miserable for the entire evening? Um, it was it was really, really, really sweet. Plus, holy crap, did she look beautiful in that dress?
2: I mean, my favourite scene was probably where Demelza arrives home and Monk is waiting for her. I mean, it was a very hard scene to watch. But I think Eleanor did such a wonderful job in her expressions and her reactions. Uh, And I felt genuine terror despite knowing how the story goes. (laughs) Like, I've read the book. But yeah, anyway, Eleanor's just amazing. And she's not really been given... Many opportunities to shine this season. But in this scene, I think she really did. So I'm always here for an Eleanor performance.
0: Uh, I loved uh, Caroline's dynamic with Demelza and uh, how she always got her back. You know, hashtag helping a sister out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, can I also say George throwing all the coins at Ross? Because seriously, it was freaking hilarious. <laughs> It was, yeah, um, you know, and
1: uh, I'm going to go back with the hashtag in the books. Um, I thought that um, knowing what was taking place during that scene, um, I didn't like zero in on the kind of the hilarity of the moment, uh, but uh, I was really taken by the fury and shock that they managed to infuse in that scene, um, you know, just as they had it in the book. Um, and although Ross does realize that he should have sent the money around the instant he saw George meet his eye, um, you know, when he calls out to George and then he he's like, oh, shit, I should have sent this. <laughs> um, but uh, here's the the scene as it was written in the books. Uh, George Worligan turned, and Ross was startled by the look that came on the other's face when he saw who had addressed him. It was a look of such hatred that it stopped Ross in his tracks. If there were purer venom, he had never seen it. Had George cared so much then for Monk Adderley? Uh, Pardon me, George said to his companion. It seems I am being solicited in some way. I will join you in a moment. Of course. Uh, The other man glanced quickly at George's terrible expression and at Ross's slinged arm and the scar on his face. Then he moved on. Well, Ross said, "Uh, as you know, I had a meeting with your friend, Captain Adderley. What occurred at it is not for me to say. But before he died, he left a message with me through his friend, John Craven. It is not a message I gladly pass on since I have no wish to talk to you on the subject but the last request of a dead man is something I can't ignore. Well, George seemed to have difficulty speaking at all. He commanded me to give you ten guineas. Ross fumbled with his left hand and got the ten pieces out of his fob. What for? I understand he made some wager with you and he lost. I have no idea whether it concerned me and I'm not interested to know. I would suppose, since he employed me to do this, that it did. It would fit his sense of the appropriate. Ross extended the money. George looked at it, and then he looked at Ross. The glare in his eyes had not changed. Ross put out his hand, and Ross... George put out his hand and gave... Ross gave him the money. George counted it. Then he flung the ten coins full in Ross's face and turned away. I mean, it was pure perfection, you know? Just pure perfection, you know? And it's like, George! You were the one that spurred on the wager that set that fiend onto Ross's wife just for a spot of fun. You know, here's another situation that, you know, George has instigated uh, to hurt Ross in some way. And it's blown up in his face. (laughs) Again. (laughs) (laughs) Again.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. And the the part of the scene where Ross says, oh, I'm going to just speak to george for a second and yes! everybody just turns around and goes no but no no no, 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 no. no. <laughs> like oh my god okay
0: least favorite scene
1: um you know i know that this was your favorite scene uh rita but i this was my least favorite basically um not you know not because it wasn't brilliantly performed but it just really caused me to have a visceral reaction. It's one of the first times that it, that in this series that I have just been, you know, like, run, 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 run. You know, get to the bell, get to the bell. I mean, it was, it was really terrifying. And I think that, you know, I would put a trigger warning on this episode for uh, anyone who has been, uh, you know, in a situation like this. That you know, this is this is something that is done so well. Uh, it's pretty damn terrifying.
0: Yeah, I second that. And I think this episode had many triggering moments, but this one in particular was really, really frightening. And how it was shot as well—the fact that it was in the dark—that mm-hmm. made it even much more, much creepier. Yeah. And you had the bed in the back, and I was like, "Okay," and I was like, "Get the f out of here!" Exactly.
2: <laughs> I mean, I was terrified at that moment where. Melza goes to the door and then Monk slams his hand against it. I, I like, know, no. I
1: know, I know. And then I, you know, as they're like circling the room, you know, I see the, the knob for the bell and I'm thinking to myself, just get to the bell. Get to the bell quick. Just get to the bell. And when she did it, I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus.
2: Thank
1: you, Jesus. She's
2: going to get away from him. My least favorite was Morwenna's miscarriage scene. I mean, it was Bonkers short and really underwhelming. You would think we would have a bit more of a substantial moment when something like that happens, but okay.
1: Yeah, especially when she was was um supposedly many months pregnant. Although I don't remember seeing the the like huge baby bump on her like we got with Elizabeth this episode.
2: Well, you didn't really see it at first, but there was a scene where she was like sitting down and then she stood up, and there was just this massive bump. Yeah, well, she was talking to her. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And considering just how many months pregnant she was, her miscarriage just looked like yeah a light period blood. Yeah, like,
1: it would have been. It would have been much insane. more um, scary.
0: But uh, just curious, uh, how was it described? Uh, hashtag in the books. <laughs>
1: Uh you know we we really don't learn of Morwenna's um miscarriage until she's deep into explaining her um abhorrence of physical touch to Drake in the scene where she goes to uh his smithy. Um the entire scene uh that takes place between the two of them uh had so much more than what they were able to bring onto the show. Uh it it's a a fairly deep conversation that takes place um, between the two of them and, uh, you know, time.
0: Yeah, that's why, again, they should have kept it to being a, just a London episode. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, um, uh,
1: Yeah, I think that the, um, you know, remember last week when, was it last week that he ran off to, um, you know, he wound up uh, leaving uh, Rosina and went to Morwenna's house.
2: Well, it was two episodes ago, but then he also ran and spoke to her last week. So we've been getting the same scenes over and over again. That's why Oh my, God. Why oh my God,
1: seriously? The conversation, what she says to him about, you know, how she's like damaged and, you know, that type of thing, that she doesn't say that, if I remember correctly. Uh, that is held off until the
0: encounter with Morwenna and Drake at the smithy. Uh, My least favorite scene, personally, uh, was uh, Jeffrey Charles uh, spilling the beans about the opportunity of Valentine. Uh, One, that is not your secret to tell. Two, you cannot just spill something like this out of nowhere and not expect it to bring its lot of consequences. I mean, think about your mama. Do you love her? And uh, three, are they effing kidding with the... With the super cheesy close up of Valentine riding that pony toy and playing with that pistol. (laughs) I mean, subtlety 10 out of 10 pulled off. (laughs) Bravo.
1: It was another one of those telenovela moments. You know, a A (laughs) scandalo. Oh, my God. Uh, But, you know, Jeffrey Charles' comment about Valentine was something that I always took to be a complete and utter fluke. It was just uh, this observation that had come flying out of Jeffrey Charles's uh, mouth without having any sense of it being possible. Um, You know, one could think that the child would have had enough sense not to say something like that um, about his mother. Um, But with Jeffrey Charles, I think we're seeing him at this time of the saga as being a rather thoughtless, vulgar little twat. <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> and, you know, it, it's just, it's, he hasn't learned the, the art of discretion. That's for damn sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know things are bad when Jeffrey Charles has you feeling bad for Elizabeth, gaslight queen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> True dat. True dat. So, how many tricorns?
2: Uh, 4.5 tricorns. I think the episode benefited from having a conventional A, B, and C storyline and just focusing in on Ramelza. You know, what a fab way to round up the London arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
1: I gave it a five. It was totally satisfying to me in every way, shape, or form.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I second that. Five out of five. Only disappointed because they added the Cornwall scenes, which I think could have waited uh, for the series finale. Because I think they killed the whole dynamic of the episode. Uh, but I just loved it so much, I could not remove a, a point.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I knock off a point five for any Drake appearance. To be honest, <laughs> you
1: you you are such a principled queen, my friend.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <yes. laughs> okay. So, Critics' Corner, it's time to dive into some reviews of the episode to see how critics have responded to episode 7.
1: First off, The Guardian's uh, Viv Groskop, God, murder that name, Michelle. Um, <laughs> quote: The duel was like something out of Dangerous Liaisons, with Ross as Keanu Reeves and frilly-shirt man as John Malkovich.
2: Oh my God, it is!
1: <laughs> I guess that makes Cindy Doll, Glenn Close, and Demelza Uma Thurman, or maybe Horace the Pug is Uma Thurman. Uh, I know it doesn't quite match up, but humor me. I lost it a bit after those hotel scenes at the beginning. <laughs> um, we have we had been allowed to forget. For much of this series, that Ross can be a right idiot sometimes, and here his stubborn stupidity was firmly to the fore. Dr. Ennis is right, of course. There's absolutely no reason to duel with Frilly Shirt Man. It was known all, to all of London that Frilly Shirt Man was a bonkers psychopath with a death wish, and yet Ross just had to let him get under his skin, even though Frilly Shirt Man had gotten nowhere near Demelza, not for want of trying, admittedly. Personally, I blame the flowers. They were spectacularly beautiful. If Demelza had thrown them out, as Ross suggested, none of this would have happened. Here we return to the central issue of Demelza and Ross's partnership, as showcased at length in previous series. They are both as bad as each other. Yes, Demelza remained chaste, but she did tolerate frilly shirt man's attention, and she was unwilling to draw the line when Ross asked her to. Equally idiotically, Ross insisted on sulking about Frilly Shirt Man, even though it was obvious that Demelza was innocent. What a mess. And uh, as a side note, um, Viv mentioned something that I thought of as I was prepping for today's show, you know, with regards to the flowers. Uh, You realize this is the second time she's received flowers from an admirer. Uh, Remember the magnolia bush that she got from Hugh? And if you'll recall, that flower is still hanging around Nampara. Uh, Somebody commented on it earlier this season. Verity. Uh, Yes. So here's the second time flowers have come for Demelza, and she keeps these as well, even though she doesn't give a tinker's damn about Adderley. Uh, Just because she loves flowers doesn't mean she shouldn't have gotten rid of them the instant she'd realized they'd come from Adderley. As much as she loves flowers, those things should have been in the bin.
2: You know, from Ross's perspective, I do agree. And I've seen a lot of people say this, but I think it's slightly more complicated than people are allowing at the moment. You know, I've had friends who have received these, quote, gifts from what I can only describe as stalkers. I mean, men they genuinely feared and who would not leave them alone. And bizarrely, they kept these gifts you know i have no idea about the psychology of how this works but i can guess that there is something to the fact that these men tend to know their targets and often play on these women's emotional vulnerabilities and they often give these gifts that women feel like they can't get rid of and that they feel indebted to them for having you know demelza Fell for this tactic, I think, because ultimately she's not very wo- worldly and doesn't see or perhaps doesn't want to think about the implications of that gift. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's true. But damn, girl. I mean, it's, maybe it's easy for me to say, but even though I find the flowers beautiful, I would just throw them away because that, they would remind me of mm-hmm. that dude. So mm-hmm. but that's just
2: simple <laughs> You know, I think it's important to keep these flowers in historical context as well because we're so used to seeing flowers everywhere. They're in, like, everybody's local supermarkets and stuff. But at the time, only very important and wealthy families had hothouses producing these flowers, and so they were incredibly rare and incredibly expensive, especially the arrangement that Monk gave her. Like, she's never going to be able to see these flowers again. We have to remember, she's a minor's daughter. You know, she's going to be thinking, I'm throwing away, like, five people's yearly wages. Like, that's a very hard ask of her. Okay, so moving
0: on, the review from Gérard Rodonovans for The Telegraph. It was glowing. He gave the episode four stars and the title read, This is the most entertaining dark of the series by far. He continued in his review. Much of the episode focused on Ross's run in with his de- devil incarnate fellow MP, Monk Adderley, a blackguard of the old school who made the pantomime villainy of Paul Dark's <laughs> other bodies look subtle by comparison. Yeah. Even his coat buttons were made from the hair of men he'd killed in jewels. I mean, what the heck? Uh, no. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> uh, one glimpse of Lucius Demelza was enough to have Adelie seized by the kind of malling competitive lust not seen on screen since dangerously <laughs> uh He even wagered Ross's arch-rival, George Rolagan, that he'd conquer her, the CAD, and turned up in her chamber, uninvited only to be driven off dramatically. The duel that ensued between Adelie and Paul Dark was surprisingly nail-biting. Brilliantly done, too, was the breath-stopping moment when young Geoffrey Charles drew George's attention to how his son Valentine was the, quote, very spitting image of Uncle Ross, audibly ripping open that festering family wound again. By Episodes N and London's enticements were well and truly exposed as bankrupt, and the series' moral compasses DeMarza and Dr. Ennis for hightailing it back to the rustic comforts of Cornwall. Together with last week's upbeat episode, this has been by far the most entertaining run in the fourth series that, at times, had been less than fully engaging. It certainly raises hope for a satisfyingly hectic series close. I agree, Gérard! Yes,
2: yes, yes! I'm loving everybody's oh. Dangerous Liaisons references. I mean, I, yes, know. I had no idea until... <laughs> people started making this connection it's the exact same thing and i love that book um anyway a final review comes from louisa Miller of den of geek and she wrote captain monk adley is a bad boy bad boys like adley go about their lives with a permanent hard-on for themselves and the unshaken conviction that the feelings beautiful oh they're like cats treating the entire world as their scratching post, every available hard surface and warm body is something for them to back up to and rub against (laughs) they speak only in cliche and double entendre and permanently sport the self-satisfied look of a baby midway through filling its nappy (laughs) it wasn't really Adelie that ruined things of course it was Ross Instead of doing what any clear-headed person would do when faced with such a specimen, i.e. going home with his wife, laughing their heads off about what a prong they'd just met, and doing impressions of him by licking the butter knife all sexy at breakfast the next day, Ross gave in to jealousy and hurt pride. He rude Hugh and Adley made him madly. Adelaide and Demelza were from two different worlds. His had trained him to interpret reluctance on a woman's part as coyness that was all part of the chase. Hers had trained her to be courteous to her social superiors and not to trust her good instincts. It's too late to be any use, but the answer Demelza is yes. You very much should have smacked his face and spat on his shoe. Then need him in the crotch for good measure. <laughs> At least Rush shot Adeline in the baby maker, which was almost as satisfying a death as Ozzie's, and twice as poetic, really. Now nobody will ever admire his hairy buttons again. Good riddance. DeMelza's distress aside, the entire duel plot was pure silliness, especially predicated as it was on a bum to glove dissing and round of <laughs> parliamentary pushy pushy. Adelie was a Blackadder character and deserved to be treated as such. Ross should have taken Caroline and Dwight's advice and laughed the man out of town. But, armoured by a Series 5 renewal, deep down he knew he could afford to take the risk.
1: Oh, what a great review. Okay, hey, now uh, we get into messages uh, from Instagram. Uh, Poldark, please, said, I'm shaking. Poldark, his life, said, now that was a shocking episode. Uh, Spirit of the Isle said, It's so gripping. Can't wait to see it next week. Poor Ross is constantly receiving the wrath of George. Oh my, OMG, love it.
0: Facebook messages, the first one from from Yan, who loved every minute of it, and from Judith Ellen, who said, I'm always a little surprised when Demaza reacts slash overreacts to Ross's bad boy behavior. He's been a walking anger ball since they met. I'm tempted to go through the whole series and see how many times she says, Oh Ross, how could you?
2: <laughs> I'm not sure that one can overreact to their husband murdering a man. Uh but okay. Uh
1: Kate, one of the ladies I met in Cornwall last year, uh had this to say. Ha, and shout out to Kate. Uh majorly cray cray. Um I couldn't breathe when Jeffrey Charles made his observation on Valentine's appearance public. The looks on George and Elizabeth's faces, I'm still feeling petrified for Elizabeth. And Ross. And just when I was starting to relax with the genuine happiness with George genuine happiness George was exhibit, exhibiting, the scowls are black. And blacker the scowls are back and blacker and stormier than ever. George could give Lago a serious run for his money. And George has got the girl.
2: Danielle said an amazing episode Jeffrey Charles starting the feud over Valentine being just like Ross was great I feel like Ross was doing really well with his feelings until Monk kept pursuing Demelza and then he just didn't know what to do she shook all his advances off but Ross could still not just be there for her I love his character and he has flaws but truly needs to realize who his wife is and just need to say, Eleanor is absolutely beautiful.
0: Message from Katie who said, That was one heck of an opening scene. <laughs> Amazing chemistry, everything going along so lovely, and the snake Adelie appears. Can't stand George. They stayed pretty on, the, on track with the book, except the Elizabeth scene suddenly hugely prego.
2: Since when are her and Russell buddy-buddy Gag me? George likes being miserable. And Janet said, this episode was enjoyed by both my husband and myself. My husband enjoyed the action and suspense with a little politics, and we had no trouble following the plot this week. I loved all the Ramelza and Carolite scenes with plenty of George and Elizabeth and just enough Drawenna for this girl. Just enough. I.e., barely any. <laughs> they nailed the important scenes from the book that I wanted to see, including everyone in london yay for rita yes. while giving us enough of monk Adley to make our skin cruel and some great ross george scenes the coins is there any talk of what will happen to polduck after this series i understand the difficulty with the time jump but it seems like there's still plenty of fans who would like more would it ruin the series to write some new adventures to bridge the 10-year gap i don't know yeah at the moment there's no news about what the hell's happening with season five? We just know that we're getting it, I, we don't really feel comfortable speculating. But I will say that if it turns into some kind of fan fiction, of uh, bridging the ten-year gap, then I'm gonna be annoyed. Annoyed.
1: We'll see. And from Tumblr, we had a comment uh, in the ask box from uh, an anonymous person uh oh ladies we had 15 minutes of bliss and then happiness gone how steamy was that though god their chemistry and how come elizabeth is so pregnant since last week
2: yeah she seemed even more pregnant than moenna which is weird because they're supposed to be around the same size hashtag product time
1: yeah yeah uh why did ross tell Paige that his wife was a miner's daughter demelza is trying to improve in society and he says that for all the gossips to hear
2: I think Ross is genuinely proud of her background, but I do think he needs to display a bit more caution and think about how his words might affect her in society.
1: Um, They go on to say, uh, why did he not intervene when she asked him, what should she do about Monk? I mean, I know he's wounded because of Hugh, but they had been making passionate love for days. Does that not tell Ross that Demelza was happy and loved up with him? Ross is doing with Monk what he should have done with Hugh.
2: Exactly, you know, Ross is channeling all his hurt and rage over Hugh into his situation with Monk. Instead of looking at things objectively, he's reacting emotionally in the heat of the moment. Hence why this makes zero sense to outsiders.
1: So now let's take a look at the trailer for our final episode.
3: What do you want, George? But you never will let go of your suspicions.
5: Oh, you have wealth, power, position.
3: He is your child. Ross, you cannot.
4: Do not follow me. You have my family's home. And you have Elizabeth. What are you going to do?
1: Shoot me?
3: Your son is speaking to you. Is he?
1: I understand the kind of trollop you are. Get out of my house.
3: George, there is nothing I can do to prove he is your son. I think the child is coming. Nothing I can do to assure his happiness.
5: I have no intention of ruining your evening.
2: You have ruined more than that! okay episode description elizabeth attains a potion to force an early labor in the hope that george's fears that he is not the father will disappear as soon as the child is born ross returns to cornwall in the aftermath of his duel hoping to make things right with demelza but is forced to consider why he chose to accept adelaide's challenge george returns home to find warwena has come to trenwith in search of drake and banishes her from his estate prompting elizabeth to take Desperate measures that place the life of her child at risk.
0: So, what are you most looking forward to in next week's episode?
2: Hashtag no spoilers for Delonda, but something big is going to go down, and I've been waiting years to see it play out.
1: (laughs) Oh my god, yes! Uh, Although I'm not quite so certain of the aftermath, and that's all I'm
0: going to say about that right now. I will share some predictions, not spoilers prediction, because I think the trailer gave a few things away. May I think? So I think that Elizabeth is gonna die, not in childbirth, but maybe from severe complications. Like remember Downton Abbey, mm. Sybil? Yes. <laughs> RIP, my love. <laughs> she died. Uh, she died from eclampsia when we thought she was good, but then in the middle of the night, boom. So I think that Elizabeth is going to die. And my second prediction is that... No, the second reason why I think uh, she's going to die is that we see Ross and Elizabeth dancing, which is a little reminding of series one. So that might be a way to end their story once and for all.
2: (laughs) (laughs) As if this will ever end.
1: oh god (laughs) so anyhow uh you know we are in for a wild ride next week so uh buckle up and be ready for uh some pretty crazy times uh we've come to the end of this week's podcast but don't fear we're going to be back next week to recap and discuss the final episode of season four this season has gone by so quick, it's been amazing. Um, if you want to get involved, then follow us at Poldark Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Message us on our Tumblr, or email us at poldarkpodcast at gmail.com, and you can be read out on the podcast. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.